Well, we are here in Miami, another episode of my podcast, Dream and Sally Study. James, thank you for your time today. And Mate, great it's to, a pleasure to be here. Great it really to, is. Pleasure to meet you. We've just come off the back of a hell of a ride, haven't we? Oh, you know? God. So if, if either of our voices sound suboptimal, uh, it's because we've just been on the week of our lives on Gumball 3000. I've, I've got to tell you, it's been fantastic, but it's been brutal. It's been non-stop. <laughs> my whole body, I mean, my hands, my mouth, my bloody, my legs, yeah, everything. everything. Everything's killing. So, yeah, we're over here because of the Gumball Rally. Yeah. Um, quite naturally, the cars, the destinations, but the best thing I've got out of it is meeting good people. Likewise, and, and you're likewise, you're definitely right. definitely oh, one of them, man. That means so, a lot, um, man. Thank you, thank you very much. So uh, you're known as Mr. JWW. Um, yes. You told me earlier, but what's that? What's that stand for? So it's James William Walker. Um, I kind of like you know half joke these days that if I realised that this was going to gain any traction, I might not have called it JWW. Not because I don't like it, but if you try saying it, it doesn't like roll off the uh, tongue. So it's been funny actually when we've rolled into various stops here. I've heard various di different people shouting different abbreviations of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, J-Dubs. I'm like, that's a good one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so um, and that name came about because when I was, you know, ground zero, day one, I'm on YouTube and I'm setting up this new account just so I could kind of, like, dabble. It wasn't supposed to, or I never believed it would gain the, the traction it did. And I'm sat in front of the YouTube page, like, twiddling thumbs going, what do I call this? And at the time I had a JWW number plate on my car. I forgot what it was, you know, something, 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 JWW. And I'm literally at my desk. I glance out of the window. I see the, the reg and I go, oh, Mr. JWW, that'll do. And that's literally how that happened. So there wasn't a huge amount of thought into it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it seemed to have worked, but every now and again, when I'm on a podcast and we go JWW like 12 times, I'm like, ah, now my mouth hurts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so was your destiny always going to be, you know, media, creating content, YouTube, or was you on a different path before you got into that? Right. I've got a, like quite a strange story and what I'm, what I'm about to tell you, I've told this story before and people don't believe it because of what I do now, but when I grew up as a kid, I had a like quite a bad stammer, like really quite bad. So when I was at school, I had a permanent sick note because I right. couldn't, I couldn't talk. Right. I mean, I was, you know, everything was like James like this. Right. And it was bad. So, you know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I would walk around school with headphones on so I didn't have to speak. So no one could, you know, yeah, yeah. talk to me. Um, but I always had this passion for film, and I, and I think this stemmed from um, I, I had a love for uh, uh, skating. Motocross for me was big, mm -hmm. and motocross at that time, it was on DVDs, it, the odd one was on VHS, and like I would used to try and scramble around and find as much of this stuff to consume yeah. as I could, and I, was, I was just used to love seeing these guys, these like really small independent teams of just passionate people with like pretty basic cameras yeah, yeah. make these these productions, right? So this is where this love for film came from. But the two for me, not being able to talk right, right? Yeah. And cameras, I always thought I was destined to be behind the camera. And so uh, when I was at school, I used to film me and my friends when we would go on a skiing trip, right? That was our like annual one thing I would film, skiing, yeah. snowboarding. And then we passed our driving tests and when I was like, forget skiing, 
let's, you know, film cars. So this started probably when I'm like 17. So I've, technically I've been filming cars and editing this, this kind of format since I was around about 17. Yeah. And, um, and there was supercars? Not at all. Oh, oh no. no, this is our first car. So okay, we're talking okay. like mini, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like really, I mean, my friend Adam had a Corsa, my friend Chris had a Saxo, you know, it was like- I had like, a Citroen Saxo, yeah, had a VTR. Yeah, VTR. Yeah, loved it. Had an exhaust on it, it was yeah, great. Yeah, that, that was it. So, so, and then this amazing thing happened. I've been editing all of this content for some time. And one day I decided to turn the camera on myself to give an update to the camera. And it's funny when I say an update to the camera, because what I was doing was burning it onto a CD-ROM at the end of it and giving it out to all five of my friends going, wasn't that fun? But this amazing thing happened in my head when I turned it on myself, I knew that before anyone saw this, I had the opportunity to take one, take two, take three, or even edit it all before anyone heard it. Okay. So in a funny way, it was the first time that I had control over my own voice before anyone else saw it. And I don't really have an, a, a real explanation for it, but that created a psychological switch where when I had a camera pointed on me, I could talk, yeah. no problem at all. Yeah. And that literally, when I say film changed my life, dude, if we were talking when I was a teenager, mate, I, I was, you know, I, I couldn't talk, dude. Yeah. Like, I couldn't speak. So when I say film changed my life, film changed my life, right? So the audience thinks, you know, I'm diehard passionate about cars. Yes, I am. That's my, like, subject. Yeah. But really, I mean, we now have a fairly substantial team. And the only thing we haven't outsourced is the, the editing. Okay. Because that's still the thing which, which saved my life, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm still yet to outsource that. I still love the vlogging. And um, so that's how that started. So with doing the media, yeah. the YouTube, etc. Yeah. How do you how did you begin to monetize it and also to survive? Because yeah. a lot of challenges that a lot of people are going to go through, especially the younger generation is they want to become a YouTuber, which, yeah. is, which is great. Yeah. But at the start, you can't pay for your bills, so you've got to have a side kind of hustle. So how did you start going about monetizing it? Yeah, so, so I, had a, I had a normal, when I say normal, I had a job, nine till five, Monday to Friday. What was and that doing? It was in the textiles world. Okay. So I worked um, on technical fabrics that ultimately made it into fashion swimwear, things yep. like that. And then we, then we would, uh, you know, put that as well into underwear and swimwear which made it onto an e-commerce platform and I was uh, I was arranging everything from photo shoots for fashion brands to up uploading hundreds of images and products onto e-commerce platforms yeah um, you know all of this did you, arranging fulfillment um, houses and things like that and you know truthfully I was in that because it was it, it paid it enough to allow me to get a finance deal so I could afford one nice car to live for the Saturday Sunday right I was this cliche working Monday to Friday so I could live for the weekend yeah with hindsight you know I got it backwards I kind of got it wrong because I was in a different industry trying to afford things that I, I loved I wouldn't say I was in this job that I didn't like, but I wasn't passionate about it. I wasn't jumping out of bed Monday morning fulfilled. going, yeah, yeah, you know. So, so 
But I was in that for 10 years, right? Now, I'd got to a point where, and I'm not, I'm not going to put this out there as good advice, okay? So listen to the end of the story before you jump to any conclusions. I saved up a deposit for my first house. And um, I went for the second viewing on this house. And I, I knew that day was the day I was about to, to close on it. And it was my first house. I was like early 20s. And um, I got there and I felt... The, like a physical anxiety about it you know I was like this is this is literally an anchor for me I've not done any road trip experiences I've not done any rallies I've not done any track days right I think and all I'd been working towards in this job was like oh if I can get up the ladder I can buy a nice car and then I can get into the world that I want to be in and it's easy with hindsight to go well why weren't you pursuing that yeah you yeah. know but you know I grew up in uh, Stoke-on-Trent I worked in an office in a factory that overlooked a scrapyard you know, this world was like beyond removed, yeah, yeah. right? So anyway, I go and see this house and I bailed. I was like, there's some, something, I can't explain it other than a gut feeling. I was yeah. like, something here doesn't feel right. And I left there and I blew all of it on an Audi R8. I took that deposit, I went to Audi and I put it on there and I bought an, an Audi R8. Now, when I say this isn't good, good advice, it's because the, the chances are 99% of the time that was probably suicidal. But at that time, I was so determined to get into the car world and my peers and friends and family at that time were like, dude, what are you doing? You know, that I had to make it work. So weirdly, even though I, I was filming when I was 17, back at school the first thing that came to mind wasn't I'm gonna film with this car I didn't have have the time when you jump to the world of film and you need to upload regularly it is when I say full-time it's over and above full-time I mean yeah. it's like it consumes everything so I started writing a blog and the R8 acted as this key that unlocked the door to all of these events so okay I've got a, a cool car now I'll go to a car meet I'll go to a road trip I'll go on a rally track days right shows so I started going to these things with this car, but instead of filming it, I was taking photos. And then at, at the end of the week, I would write this blog. And I probably did that for 18 months. And it gained some traction. We had a, a monthly readership. Let's think about this. In 2013, 14, of around about 50,000 uniques per, per month, which today sounds tiny, but then it was okay. And... Um, why that's in, in, important was it got to a point where I found that I was in some very exciting situations, not dissimilar to what we've just done, yeah. finding there's only so much I can write about this and, and share photos of this to describe how something sounded or, or how something looked. And I was like, Do you know what? I used to enjoy filming. I'm going to next, next event, I'm going <laughs> to film something. So I could go out on this trip in the R8 film something, stick it up online. And the only reason I put it on YouTube wasn't to set up a YouTube account. It was to have a hosted video to put it on my blog. I didn't even think about it at that time, right? Okay. So I stuck it up. Because the, the blog had fairly decent traction, it, the video instantly got great views. YouTube picks it up and goes, for whatever reason people like this, it's because it was hosted on this, this blog. Yeah. And this 
video did half a million views in two weeks. Wow. Which today is bonkers. So, and how, how many years ago was that? This is 2015. Wow. So 2015, half a million views. I'm like, what? Incredible. Just, I'm like, what just happened? Like, when I look back, I know why now, but at the time, I was just like, I need to host this so that the audience on yep. the, the blog can see it. But what actually happened was I gave it a guaranteed 50,000 views straight away. And then the interest in that at that time pinged the platform and was like, people like this. So what happens generally is in the first few hours of some of, of a video going live, if it gets good traction, good average watch time, YouTube goes, ah, oh, this is, this is uh, deemed an interesting piece of content, yeah. let's serve it up some more. If that band watches it some more, let's serve it up some more. And it kept going. So it ended up doing like half a million views. I was like, oh my God, like what's happened? But that, that moment didn't, didn't really change things too much because, you know, I'd still got this job, half a million views. My channel didn't even have ads on, you know, it, it, it was so early. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, this is it. Let's go. I'm a, I'm a YouTuber now. It was like, okay, that's great. How do I keep it going? The thing that kept it going was the comment section. So I'd stick out this video and instead of going, oh, what shall I film next? The comments were like, oh, it'd be great if you could show us this, show us that. So I would do this, but it, it ended up being once per week. And um, I did that for about two years. And I thought, man, I can't, I can't only do this once a week. In order to have a channel, you need to do it like three times a week, minimum. And then Jaguar came calling, and I'm just going to hand this Lambo key. Yep, Chris, to the deal. Would you please mind passing that to that gent there? And the sorry, mate. No problem. Sorry to cut the. Uh, no problem. Podcast. We've we've been in a Lamborghini Aventador all week, and the guy who's uh, who's rented it to, to us from Miami has just turned up for yeah. the uh, key. So. We're there talk, it is. We'll talk, we'll talk about uh, yeah. the, the cars and the rally in, in a short moment. Yeah. But yeah, really interesting kind of like segue into your into your life and um, and, and obviously the YouTube world because you know I'm trying to I'm trying to sort of break that that barrier as well. Thankfully, right. I've got a business, so I don't rely on you know the revenue sure. from the podcast or anything. But yeah. eventually, I would yeah. like to monetize oh, it. So yeah. so yeah. it's always good to hear someone's walk the walk. You That's know. That's it. Yeah. So it. It took the channel, and this is no exaggeration, like two years for it to gain any any sort of traction where the revenue was okay, but it it wasn't quite at the, I'm gonna leave my job stage now. And then one day, Jaguar reached out. And the irony of this is, is actually, when I look back, hilarious because up until that point and every point since then the only content which i focused on was sports cars supercars luxury cars hypercars yeah that was it and jaguar reached out one day and they say we'd love to talk to you about this new product which is launching if you could come to our offices and we'll then we'll let you know all about it i'm like yeah okay and i'm thinking why are they coming to me maybe they're they're, they're launching a new xj220 or yeah, something yeah. like that so I get there and at that time there was, there was a media agency called Spark 44. They were based in uh, London okay. and they'd done so much work with Jaguar or JLR that I think JLR ended up 
sort of acquiring them and they became their sort of in-house sort of a media agency okay really so i go down there we're in these big flashy london and pad and i walk in the door they make me sign this nda and i'm like what's this about you know if they're making me sign an nda it's a big deal so i sit down and the, i'm in this this office and there's like three of them there and um they're like, look, you know, we love the, the channel. We love how you present. And we love to present the launch of this new car for us. And I'm thinking, I don't present. It yeah. like, it falls out of my mouth as I'm going. You know, I don't, I don't, the, there's no script, right? Yeah. And um, so after I'd signed this NDA, this is going back probably late 2017-ish now. My first upload was end of 2015. And... Um, it turns out it was a diesel estate car, right? And I'm okay. like, why are you coming to me? Yeah, all I do is supercars, right? And at the time, the channel had got like 30,000 subscribers, which okay. at the time I thought was like a big deal. When yeah. I look back now, it's not. But, but I thought, you know, um, why are they coming to me? I'm like filming sports cars. And they wanted me to present for their channel, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking, this is art, you know? I don't, I don't present, but I was just like, at that time, I would say yes to anything and we'll work it out. So I'm there and they're speaking about it. And at this, up until this point, when you're, a, when you're an up and coming content creator, you will say yes to anything just to get content, right? So I'm like, yeah, sure thing, yeah. great. We're going to Spain for this launch. They're closing a mountainside and we're going up there and filming. And they put an offer in front of me, right? And which I didn't even expect. I just thought they wanted me to come and help them out. Yeah, yeah. They put, they put an offer in front of me that was more than I earned in my full-time job for the previous 12 months. Wow. For one video. Wow. Which, which was the first time that I had been sort of exposed to this, like, blue-chip world of how they do things, right? And I'm you sat must have there, been blown away. Dude, I'm looking at this offer thing. I, I, I thought I was on candid camera. I thought our camera crew was about to come, come out and go, ah, you've been punked, right? And anyway, it was it was totally above board. I ended up in Spain. They closed the mountainside. I presented this this um, film for them. Uh, when the car launched, I think that they drove it onto the pitch at Wimbledon, and Andy Murray helped to unveil it. And then the idea was, when it went live, people would come onto the Jaguar website and watch the video that I did and they would check out all of these features and I ended up doing some work with them for three or four five more of those um, and this happened in quite a short space of time so all of a sudden I'm doing like this one gig earning more than I was earning for like 12 months of Monday to Friday work yeah and that was ironically a diesel Jaguar estate car unlocked the door for me to go and film supercars all around the world yeah so um, yeah I got home and I was like right this just happened. I've now got, I saw it as a 12 month window now. I was like, okay, I've got a 12 month opportunity here. Do I stay doing what I'm doing mm -hmm. or do I just go sod it, let's do it. And I did. I stepped out of the nine to five world and I committed to filming as much content as I could, as often as I could. And that's when the whole thing just J curved, you, you know? And I guess it's this, cliche it almost sounds like something from a Richard Branson handbook but it's like you know do what you love and the rest will, will follow when I c committed 110% to doing that 
my life changed. So, um, consistency is always number one with anything you do. But you said you went from one video a week to three yeah. long form, and then yeah. you got your, your shorter form ones in between. Yes. How come that made such a big difference? Um, I suppose if you think of it, really, just think about it on the very basic level of the more eyeballs that see you, the more people that know about you, you know? So, you know, if I'm uploading one video a week that's getting, let's just say, gets 100,000 views. Yeah. And I'm uploading three a week, a week that get 300,000 views. That's 200,000 more people that know. Yeah. Right? And so at that time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of making this leap now at like 30,000 subscribers. It's taken me two years to get to 30,000K, yeah. right? It's nuts. When I went... And, and you're on now like 700, 800 on your YouTube? Yeah, YouTube's clicking onto 800. Across platforms, we've got 2.5. Um, wow. And what happened when, when I went full-time it went from two years to 30. That year, then that year, I went to 100,000. And then it took me another three years to, to get to the 800 I'm at now. You know, so it was this like compounded effect. One thing I will say, anyone watching this who's, you know, it's subscribers, people get caught up in subscribers. The views are important. It doesn't matter how many subs you've got. It's what people watch it. Yeah. So while I've got, you know, heading on to 800K on YouTube, the channel's had 170 million views. Wow. So subs aren't important. Yeah. Views are important, right? So the subs thing for me is a bit frustrating because when you get into the world of working with brands and brand partners, they're quite top line. It's evolving quite fast now and brands are starting to understand it a lot more. But when I first started speaking with, with brands, it was all about subs, yeah. right? It was all about, about subs. And they were like, oh, you know, you've, got, you've only got 120,000 subs. Yeah, I'm like, but my last video did 700,000 views. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, you want the eyeballs, not the subs. So um, yeah, focus on the views, not the subs. Um, do you know a guy called Tom Exton? Yeah, I do. TG, yeah, yeah. TG. Yeah, yeah, so, so he's been yeah. on my podcast. Right. Uh, basically, Charlie Groove, who's the owner of the London Watch Show, we've done a three-way conversation mm -hmm. about cars, watches, and art in my private art cool. gallery. Nice. And what he said to me, in a roundabout way, he said, if you want to get hits, either buy a really nice supercar yeah. or get your ass or tits out. That, <laughs> that, that's how you get the, the eye, eyeballs. He said it with a bit of a joke. Yeah. But, I can I can see I can see why because like I said to you I've interviewed a few great people uh, Maximilian Cooper obviously yeah. affiliated to cars Lord Aline, yeah. Tom etc yeah and it does seem like the car kind of audience gets dragged into you know yeah. uh, into like you know well pe people just enjoy it people love talking about cars yeah. and I watching think, them you know the car world is is really interesting because. For me, it's not just about the cars. What seems to inherently come with cars is the wider culture and lifestyle associated with that. Yeah. So you just touched on art, watches, right? So with cars for me comes travel, art, watches, hotels, boats, planes, right? I mean, there's this big um, overlapping world of asset classes and interests and in investments that come with that. 
um, you speak to anyone on the rally here, you know, everyone has an interest in something as well as cars. And I think that's kind of what what fascinates from an outside audience because it, it is inherently quite an aspirational space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So talk to me about cars then. What cars have you got? Crikey, so, so um, let's think. I think on the channel now we've got 11 or 12 cars. Um, let's see if I can get this right. <laughs> so, so we've got a McLaren Senna. Yeah. A, unbelievable car. Oh, that thing is unbelievable. Yeah. And, and on track as well, it comes alive. Man, there was a few on the Gumball Rally, wasn't there? Yes, yeah. there are, there are. It's a great car, it's a great car. Shmi's got one as well, hasn't Yeah, he, he does, yeah. he does. Yeah, they're just a really special thing. I think, you know, it's one of the last uh, V8 um, non-hybrid cars, anyway, that uh, McLaren made. Uh, everything from here on out is going uh, either V6, uh, hybrid. We don't know if the successor to the 720S will be a, a V6 or not, but if it is, it'll be a V6 hybrid. Okay. Um, they'll do a, a V8 maybe, but that'll be a, a V8 hybrid. So, so it's the last sort of hardcore V8 from that brand. They only made 500 of them. Uh, it's named after one of the greatest F1 drivers ever. So how, I think, how much are they fetching now? Uh, between seven and eight. Yeah, between seven and eight hundred. They, when they first launched, they were going for crazy overs around 1.2-ish. Then they slapped. They went to around about 600,000, and now they're starting to come, come up, up again. again. And I think it's because they found their place and people are realizing they made 500 of these cars yeah. right um it's named after senna it's like naming a car after schumacher right um it's like in fact it's very similar to ferrari doing the enzo yeah right? so, so um do you want us to, to, to keep going during this bit or do you want to chop it yeah sure you know yeah it's fine yeah it's cool let's do it the conversation can be still picked up like can't it you can do it yeah. That's pretty loud, is it? Yeah. We've got, yeah. we've got Sting, Sting full send here. Yeah, um, yeah it's a bit annoying, that is. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, what, did, what did the guy say to you, Chris? Huh? Did he ask you uh, uh, what you were filming? Yeah, I went for a tripod. Oh, right, okay. I think he passed through, I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, man. So, how come you didn't want to bring your center over here? It's in Dubai. Oh yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So I've got a, D, uh, I've got the center in Dubai, and the 992 GT3 is also there as well. Do you partly live over there then? No, I no. just spend a lot of time out there. Okay. Um, I should probably have a place out there. Um, the last time I was out there, I was in the same hotel for eleven weeks. Wow. <laughs> I was like, it's probably time to get to get an apartment. <laughs> How so, come yeah. Dubai? Um, so historically, before lockdown. Um, <clears throat> When the clocks go back in the UK, you know, the industry and the, the, the environment changes. Like, we're short on daylight, yeah. the weather's terrible. Our industry generally kind of hibernates around the, that time and yeah. creating content just becomes hard. It's just a slog, you know, gray, wet, crap for cars. So in the past, before lockdown, we used to go and do a month in, in LA um, during LA car uh, show week, yeah, and then after that we would fly to Dubai, do a, do a month there, and then it would be Christmas, and we just call it. 
Um, but off the back of lockdown, the normal time frame that we would go to LA, there was still some restrictions. So we thought we can't really go there and do what we need. So uh, we just like, extended our stay and, and did the full, um, it, as it happens, we intended to, to do six weeks there in Dubai, but we ended up doing 11. Uh, and the reason for that was what, during the end of our time there, Omicron started to raise its head. Okay. And friends back in the UK were like, mate, just do yourself a favor and stay there. So we did. Um, so what what was supposed to be a six-week trip ended up being 11. And is it just filming your cars? Would you go and see, like, oh, connect no. with other we, people? We, we have our cars there to be this, like, consistent thing. We have our cars. It's good to have our own wheels out there. It's an adventure flying your car somewhere like that. But every day we're filming someone else's cars. So yeah. Collections. The track day scene there is amazing, um, and uh, they, you know, there's always road trips and events and stuff. So during the winter, that's their peak season. You know, it's uh, it's only 30 degrees there. Then okay, so, so you go there and you've just got back-to-back content, man. It's brilliant. It's really good. Yeah. So like, well, I was going to say this in the podcast, but buying new cars and going to these different destinations. Like if you went to if you went to my parents, yeah. I'm gonna buy twelve cars, twenty cars, thirty cars, yeah. they would all 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 freak out and say, yeah. No, I'll pull it into sure. property, which is which is yeah. good advice, but when sure. you've got a channel, a media channel, yeah, it draws more eyeballs onto that channel, therefore you can scale it. Yeah. So we were talking about your car collection, you said about Senna. You got yeah. a Senna. Uh, yes. worth about seven hundred, eight hundred K. Yeah. You also were going through the other cars that you got. Okay, so uh, Senna 992 GT3, 991 GT3, 997 GT3 RS 4 litre. We've got a McLaren 720S. Uh, we've got a Volkswagen XL1, which if anyone listening to this going, what the hell is that? Google that thing. It's nuts. They made 200 of those cars. Um, plus we have, we got a GR Yaris. Uh, we got a like a big deranged tuned pickup truck which is our sort of team's support car tracking vehicle yeah. etc um what else have we got here uh we've got a uh cayman gt4 rs uh which is which is about to join the channel when is this going out be about three weeks okay we've got a ferrari 355 gts um yeah so so but you know, these cars, you can kind of think of them as, um, they're like, they're like, um, so, say you've got a, a construction firm, right? Yeah. And you dig holes, right? You buy a load of gear. You, you buy diggers, you'll go buy some JCBs. You're buying plants. It's an investment in your firm. I think, and I guess, you, you know, they're like additions to the show. Right, yeah. but I think it's important for the audience to contextualize that these are investments in the channel so that we can create content. Like the construction company buys JCB so that they can facilitate their job, we as a company are buying these cars so that we can create great content for the audience. And I think it's important not to get tied up on a personal level as James Walker that he's going out and buying all of these cars because I don't want people to think out to think, you know. I got to go out and buy cars yeah. to be cool. You know, that's not it. We are buying these 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 things as assets 
to create content, which in turn grows the channel, right? And you're right, you know, you could put that money into art, you could put it into property. Our business is cars, so we stick it into cars. So it is important, I think, to put that out there that while that product is flashy and exciting and sexy, be under no illusion that behind that there is a business case for every single one. We're not out there going just buy cars, buy cars. Yeah. So yeah. So um, YouTube, obviously creating content media. Um, the business, like or, you know, behind the scenes. Like, yeah. talk to me a bit more about that. Yeah. So I think um, you know we're we're about to share a lot more of this uh, because we we don't share much about the behind the scenes of the workings of the channel. I think, you know, audience probably think that the majority of the earnings come from the AdSense, you know, like, like the advert earnings yeah. and, and brand deals. And, and don't get me wrong, that's a good chunk, you know. Um, but that for us is the sort of baseline bread and butter earnings. Off channel, you know, and this is the byproduct of having a, a large audience and working with brands, we've got a media agency we've got a web development agency we do social media consultancy we've got car care car storage um there's lots of things which feed into this world okay. um that we actually don't share because the channel's always been about enjoying cars right the one journey we did share is um actually up until last month i um i part owned a car care and detailing company called nvn uh, we have one of those in Dubai. We got one of those in Wembley. I sold my shares in that last month, and that's the only journey that we've shared with the, the audience, giving them an insight into building a brand. Um, but we've got seven or eight of those off-screen, right? Yeah. So we are probably quite keen to begin to share those more because I think, um, you know, the same reason that you're doing this podcast you mentioned before we started this that you know when we were growing up there was no podcast right yeah. and i think of the the value and information that we've had off listening to podcasts um i think it's probably nice to in a way give back right yeah and we had some great comments off sharing the 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 journey of building nvn when we when we launched this this paint protection film brand uh in Wembley I shared that journey from getting the keys to the building you know putting the tiles on the floor like it was like the full thing and that showed trials and tribulations of the reality of launching a brand um, and that's something which we're about to share a lot more of so yeah it's cool um, so where do you see like the brands the uh, the media going in the next five or ten years what, what sort of big plans have you got that you um, can share I've got yeah man I've got I've got something I cannot wait to share. I don't know if it'll be out in three weeks or not. Okay. Um, but it's this is something something that um, you know in my wildest dreams. If if someone had said this was about to unfold, I would have never have believed it. Um, I don't want to jinx it or put a ceiling on it, but it feels like this is going to be one of the biggest things that, that I'll achieve, or 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 certainly the the channel will achieve in the, the next, you know, five years. But, you know, that to one side, because I don't want to drag out any tedious teasing. Um, one of the exciting things about this space is it evolves so quickly. 
that it would it would almost be arrogant of me to make a prediction as to where it'll be. Yeah. You know, I mean, even if we were to sit here and have had this chat two years ago, it would be different, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, you know, things to just change. So that to me, though, is my massive part of the excitement of it is I kind of know what I'm going to be doing week in, week out in terms of, you know, we film content, we we create content and it's about cars and I know we'll be in different parts of the world but what we'll point the camera at I don't know what business opportunities are going to come up I don't know um, we meet some fantastic people along the journey that's something as well that we we probably don't share enough of on screen is the people we meet I mean I'm sat here with you for yeah. example this guy's been great I met him for a week and it's been you know amazing and I know we'll be in touch now for a long time so yeah. it's um it's it's things like that that when you're in 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 an environment of be it cars watches art you're with like-minded people and um, ultimately without the people none of this happens it doesn't correct. matter so you know forget the end result which is the the cars the flashy stuff it's the people it's the people that make things happen yeah you know um, so so I guess if I was to you know you know, share any advice it, it is to and it's a super cliche like networking and things like that but honestly people make the world go round and if you can surround yourself with like-minded people and as well people who are better than you right my business partner Darren you know he's in many ways the opposite of me yeah. and in that he excels in everything that I suck at right yeah. and likewise you know and so if you can surround yourself with with great people who are better than you who also importantly they don't have to directly help you or work with you but the conversations you have need to be positive entrepreneurial exciting um, if you find yourself in an environment where there's too many complaints you know what I mean like it's a general bad vibe and it's all about oh man you know whatever Depressing and you know deadbeat just type of be conversations. in the hustle man you yeah know, be in it because you do really become a byproduct of the people you hang out with definitely and um yeah if you can if you can step by step you know work your way into an aspirational environment with enthusiastic go-getting people i can't tell you how that can <laughs> that could j-curve stuff real yeah. quick Talking about uh, network, so uh, on this rally, so we just went from Toronto down to where we are right now, which is Miami at the Hard Rock Hotel yeah. before Lord Lauderdale. Um, you was with Maximilian Cooper, the founder, yeah. uh, in an Aventador Roaster, yes. uh, Aventador S, should I say. Yeah. Um, what was that like, you know, rocking with the, with the number one guy and also with an incredible car going from destination yeah. to destination? Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I think, you know, what's, what's the most special for me about that is uh, Max is my brother-in-law. So it's the this is my 10th gumball now, and it's the first time that I've done it with Max. So, you know, it is obviously brilliant to do it with the founder, mm. but for me, it's big bro, right? And so, and so we don't actually see each other that often throughout the year. The family is big. We've got family who live in LA. We've got family who live in Yorkshire, you know, family in London, um, and we're all traveling and active. So 
you know, in a normal year, it's nice when we do meet. I probably spent more time with Max in this one week than I have the last three years, right? Yeah. And that's 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 purely by because we've driven three thousand miles yeah. together in an Aventador. Um, so on that side, from a personal note, that's been great. But on the Gumball side, you know, he is Mr. Gumball, and and so this is the guy that founded it, um, and to be in the seat alongside and uh, really seeing behind the scenes because as much as we're an entrant on the rally ultimately he's the guy who's orchestrating it all so you know it's great to speak to him listen to how he's operating you know I mean it's a big gig there's there's over 300 of us lots of moving parts lots of moving parts you know you've seen it we'll roll into a town it's like a rock concert yeah everywhere and you know him and his team are orchestrating this while traveling across the states 3,000 miles we're all on different time zones yeah and uh, to observe that and this again is another example of you know easing your way into um, getting exposure to people that you might actually aspire to because it just gives you context and examples as to how they work the context of the Jesus Christ how many hours we put in yeah you know and uh, yeah it was just awesome man just really really awesome um, I didn't have the Aventador S I just had an Aventador Roadster I've got to say I really really enjoyed that, that car there They're was cool. times cool. where it was a bit intense because I was either hungover sure. or <laughs> yeah. lack of sleep and <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I, when I had to go from Atlanta to here yeah. Miami yeah, yeah, yeah. that was brutal I've, I've got to be honest <laughs> but overall the car's been fantastic what was, what was your experience same thing like? I mean um, look you know the gearbox in that car not great that's a single clipped box from when did they launch that 2012 or something like that yeah um but you know for gumball it's such a gumball car yeah you know it's loud for the crowd it looks awesome it's such a theatrical car the doors the doors like everything about that is pure theater and so you know from when you arrive into a town or when you leave a town the crowd love an event that was great and it, you know gumball is very much not just about your own experience, but sharing it. I mean, you've seen every every step of the way, thousands and thousands of people. Louis, wherever it goes, it shuts down. You know that that uh, town, especially the uh, the boy from DDE. God man, the SVJ. Damon and Dave, crikey, that SVJ. You know, we've said this a lot, but that now cliche saying of it sounds like an F1 car for the road. That literally does. That actually sounds like an F1 car. It was unreal. So you know, to roll in. Everyone sees an Aventador, the first thing they go is, rev it, yeah. rev it. You yeah. know, that's what, the, the, what's what they want. Whereas if we were in a comfortable RS6 or something, you know, point to point, okay, probably would have been nice. But when you get to a grid, it's a little bit underwhelming, isn't it? Yeah. Right? So, so I think for Gumball, perfect. Would I choose to do a 3,000-mile road trip on my own in one? Definitely not. But on the rally, perfect. You yeah. Know? And um, yeah, I actually grew, grew quite quite fond of it, you know, h- halfway through. Yeah. I mean, look, visibility sucks. Gearbox is terrible. It drinks fuel with two straws. We were oh. stopping three, four times a day yeah. for juice, right? But <coughs> it's loud and fast and looks cool, so Brilliant. must gumble. Um, what would you say has been the favorite destination so far for you? Bardstown. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've got to say, probably probably the same for me yeah so so bardstown people there are so nice it is unreal i mean you know i would say day to day it was just a beautiful 
relatively quiet town, you know. I think the biggest thing they've ever had there was a Christmas festival. Right. So when okay. we rocked up in all those cars. Listen, the mayor was out. When I say the town was out, the whole town, like the whole town is out, right? I mean, this thing, someone got an amazing dr drone shot, you know, top down of these uh, uh, streets. And either side of the streets, the whole length of this high street was full, three to four people deep, you know? It was unbelievable. But not only that, it was the passion from them, right? Yeah. Like, and they welcomed us with open arms and everyone was so happy for us to be there. Then we had this, like, local food, you know, and the food was incredible and it was awesome, man. That, yeah. was, that was a really, really s special stop, which, you know, to contextualize it further, we started in, you know, Toronto's equivalent of Times Square. Like, you would think that was yeah. that was awesome. And it was. But there was a surprise coming from this sleepy town, you yeah. know, and that was that was awesome, man. Yeah, I thought they were great people. And yeah. uh, I literally had someone come over to me and say they've, uh, they've never heard anyone from South London before, like in person. So they would get me to talk all the time, which was a really weird experience <laughs> I love for me. That. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Um, Fabulous. I'm, I'm definitely want to come back on another gumball. Yeah, um, out of all the ones that you've done so far, yeah. I was going to ask you the question, which has been your favourite, but I guess it, 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 there's lot, lots of variations to that. Yeah, they're all so different. I mean, you know, one which stands out was London to Japan. I heard know? that was intense as so well. It, I mean, dude, that was so intense. But you can appreciate why that one's like stand out from it's just so exotic to fly your car from, you know. We, we drove from London through to Europe, uh, we ended up in Bologna Airport in Italy, flew the cars and had a checkpoint in Kazakhstan, right? And then the next uh, journey was Japan and then we drove the length of Japan. We went, landed in Osaka, ended up in Tokyo via some more interesting, beautiful places. And, you know, something special about literally being halfway around the yeah. world. Uh, that was cool. Um, 19 for me I was probably the, the most rock and roll because I did it in an Aston Martin Vulcan which is uh, it's incredible you know yeah. they made 25 of those it was never made for the road um, a friend of mine converted it to a road legal car um, and so that literally was a race car for the road um, that was really truly special standout uh, thing I'm not sure if I'll ever out rock and roll that one that was like hyper hyper cool um, and this one for me you know not to get all soppy but to do it with Big bro in law, yeah, it's really good. nice, you know. So, uh, you know, each one is is really special. But one thing I w would say, and you know, you found this out firsthand, is you know, one week on the rally is enough for a decade's worth of stories. Yeah, and you meet some phenomenal people. Go to some places you would. Why would we ever end up in Bardstown? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you go to some places you would never go, and the camaraderie and spirit that you get from it is just um, magic, you know. Like for me, obviously the driving, going to destination to destination is cool. Meeting great people like yourself is great. But I like all the other little bolt-on things that Max added, which is yesterday we played in into Miami, David Beckham's yeah. stadium yeah, for, yeah. for a football game, which was incredible. Yeah, incredible. Sean, Sean Wright Phillips playing and yeah. a bunch of other yeah. former athletes going in, in a, a NASCAR, NASCAR, which is I mean, I would. Yeah. When would I ever when probably would you do that? Go to Going to an it. Indy 500 race. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that was insane. It's you just know, and this so... has happened in the last five days. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, I remember within the same, like basically 48 hours, we did Indy 500. We found ourselves in a 
NASCAR, and then we were playing on the Inter Miami Stadium with like NFL legends, basketball legends, our own football Rap, legends, rappers, rappers. You know, this has happened in 48 hours, right? I mean, Toronto was six days ago. It feels like three months ago. It's incredible, incredible. Yeah. Right, I know you've probably got to see your family as well, James, and uh, I just don't want to take too much of your time. It's really been a pleasure being on the podcast, mate. Um, Meeting yourself and hanging out. We've been on the road together most days. Yeah. In a convoy, DDE boys, Shmi 150's been on it. We've had some good tear-ups on that, mate. Good, great, great tear-ups. So uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. my My last question to you is this. I come up with a mantra when I first started my... First company when I was like 24, 25 years of age. Okay. It's a sales company, and yeah. and sales is all about positive mindset, working really hard, and putting yourself in a peak state. So I come up with a mantra which it goes like this: Be happy, never content. Now I've got my own cool. interpretation of that. Cool. If I were to ask you, yep. Mr. JWW, what does "be happy, never content" mean to you? Do you know, I, I actually love that. I think it's great. I think I I think. You know, being happy goes back to probably the beginning of this chat where I said I was in a nine to five that I didn't particularly enjoy. And then I flipped my life around by probably risking stepping out of the comfort zone to pursue something I love. So now I'm now I am happy in my day to day. I enjoy what I'm doing. But my goals, which comes to the never content, are higher than ever yeah and 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 I think these two come hand in hand now I found something that, that I'm happy doing and I love those goals to me are now real yeah whereas before when I wasn't happy working in a in a world which was so far removed from this it wasn't even an aspiration it was a dream so being happy do what you love but don't rest on your laurels push yourself as far as you can go and it's not about the. It's not about competing with others. Competing with y- yourself. See how far you can go. I think um, you know if you speak to um, speak to anyone on this rally, it's the kind of an environment that just by the nature of the entry fee of the rally, everyone in their field has been quite successful. But when you speak to them all, you can feel this like tangible energy from them. They are happy, you know what yeah. I mean? But by God, have these guys got, got goals. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think actually Steve Jobs probably summed it up. It was stay hungry, stay foolish. That's and it. that was it. It was, it was, you know, enjoy the journey, but uh, be on a constant journey of adventure and discovery and you'll yeah. never know how far it can go. Yeah. You're a legend, mate. Thank you very much. Appreciate it's been it, a dude. pleasure Thank speaking you. to you Thanks and uh, yeah, hanging out. Thanks, buddy. God bless. Right, nice one.